Hello, welcome or welcome back to the Just Eat Normally podcast for eating disorder recovery with me, Dr. Rachel Evans. I am a psychologist, hypnotherapist with a PhD in the psychology of eating and specialist training in eating disorder recovery as well as personal experience of going through an eating disorder and coming out the other side which makes me super passionate about what I do and in every episode as with my one-to-one clients I'm bringing you academic knowledge, information and theories as well as therapeutic skills and personal experiences, be that mine or experiences of my guests, for a unique perspective on eating disorder recovery. So join me on this podcast as I speak to fellow experts in eating disorder recovery, eating disorder survivors with inspiring stories, and also throw in some bite-sized solo episodes with recovery tips or new ways for you to think about things. The goal of this podcast is to give you food for thought, to shift your mindset, to boost your motivation, and to help you find your own version of normal eating, which will allow you to live a truly nourished life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I am with Sheridan Leatherbury. I love that last name. (laughs) Does does everyone say that? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. I get that a lot. They're like, your name is so cool. Like, thank you. It was really hard to write out when I was in kindergarten. (laughs) Yeah. It's worth it now though. (laughs) Um, And Sheridan is a self-love and confidence coach who helps women get out of their own head to take action and get results in their life. And I'm really excited to have her here with us today. Um, you're also in the US. Is there anything else that you would like to say to introduce yourself to everyone? No, I mean, I think you summed it up really nicely. I'm soon to be master certified. I'm super excited. So kind of diving in a little deeper into NLP and all of that fun stuff, combining like brain science with actual psychology of life coaching, which is awesome. Um, And I'm just super passionate about empowering women and whatever they're doing in their life. Yes, I love NLP. Um, also trained in it. I was doing a mini series when I did my master's training. It was going to be 10 episodes and it was about the um, principles of NLP and like rules of the mind and like some little techniques. And then it kind of petered out after six and I haven't finished it. Uh, but hopefully people can get a refresher of that today and learn some more uh, about NLP as well. Um, so let's start off where we usually start off in these podcasts. Um, quite a big open question, but what was your relationship with food and your body like when you were growing up? Yes, a great question as always to start things off. So growing up, I feel like a lot of women in my age bracket, which I'm 24, um, and even kind of in the generation surrounding, all I saw was that like stick thin, supermodel, Victoria's Secret runway, like that was the ideal body image. I remember, does anyone remember thigh gap or like thin spell? Oh yeah. Oh oh my God. Yeah. I don't think it's gone away. That's the sad thing. I feel like it's actually reversing in a weird way because now everybody, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, you can swear. (laughs) I'm like, now everybody wants a fat ass and like, (laughs) 
know, thick thighs and all that. And it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like we're, it's the same thing though. Right. So like when I was growing up, um, actually like one of your guests, I recently listened to, I totally remember using my fitness pal at age, like 13, 14 and tracking what I was eating. I was doing cardio. I grew up playing sports, but I was never like particularly good at anything other than riding horses, <laughs> which thankfully in that world, there's not a lot of like body image ideas that are kind of portrayed. But that being said, you know, I don't think anyone can escape the pressures of like, you know, grade school and stuff growing up. So thankfully I, I kind of like fit the mold, I guess, so to speak. And I didn't really have to think a lot about it, but it was kind of like everyone around me was. So I remember like parent, my parents, teachers, my grandparents, like everybody kind of being obsessed with weight. Right. And it was like this compliment, like, Oh, you're so skinny or you look like you've lost weight or whatever. Um, and then from there I went to college and I feel like then it kind of hit me like the consciousness of it all, because when I was younger, I didn't really think a lot about what I ate aside from like, it was very subconscious, you know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm like conscious. Like, I know I need to eat less or this, this, and that it was just kind of like the way it was almost. And getting into college, it was like, I totally had no boundaries, like just enjoying living life, whatever. And I definitely gained like freshman 15 is the saying we have over here in the US. I don't know if you guys have that there too, but yeah, I think it's come over. And then we also had the COVID 15, I'm doing air <laughs> quotes, um, for like when lockdown and everyone's put on weight. And then it was all in the media. And it's like, oh, yeah, it was a good thing. Right. Like, but, yeah. Who cares? Like, who gives a fuck? I mean, <laughs> God, like I, you're a young woman navigating like the social pressures of like grade school, college, like you're already getting told everything in, in your worth is like on your appearance. Right. So I remember being very self-conscious. Like I was a very, I don't want to say like shy, but I was definitely awkward. And I actually got bullied quite a bit in school because of my love of makeup, which is like a whole different story. <laughs> um, but getting back to like body image and food, you know, getting into college, I kind of like just stopped caring. I wasn't like running all these miles, you know, a day I would seriously, I, and I hated it. Like I hated running and I would like make, used to make myself run probably like eight miles. It was crazy. And I like, I just remember dreading it, but it was like, you had to do it and all this stuff. So flash forward to now. And I think even like, I was, I was probably like a junior in college when I really discovered, um, weightlifting. And there was like a point where I wasn't focused on fitness. I wasn't focused on eating or like, didn't really care about my body image, I guess. And I think, um, I'm, I'm very special in the sense that like, I I'm very fortunate. I should say to have had an experience where I was able to like, kind of automatically grow a thick skin and just like, not really give a fuck what anyone else thought or told me I should look like, or be like, and then finding weightlifting, if anyone in the audience is listening, has ever, you know, got into strength training, there's kind of two sides of that world, right? Like there's the very extreme side where it almost like causes more body dysmorphia um, because like enough is never enough. And I've kind of experienced that. And now I'm finally found this like sweet spot where it's like, I do it because I love it. And because it's just something, number one, I've found a way to enjoy. And number two, I feel like it definitely keeps me healthy. 
And what I noticed was the correlation between that and my mental health, because I feel like a lot of people too, I experienced depression, suicidal thoughts, um, in, you know, university. Right. And this was something where it was like that one hour a day that was for myself. And then I finally like, you know, it started out not really knowing what I was doing and thank God for the internet. I could connect with some super awesome, inspiring trainers who are very like body neutral and positive. And, um, yeah, from there, it just kind of brought me to today where I feel like I have this viewpoint on body is like, I just have so much gratitude for my body and for the food I eat. Like I enjoy food and I enjoy my body and ever all the functions it serves. And I want to backtrack a little bit <laughs> because one of the things growing up, I was, I will say blessed to watch my parents take care of my, uh, 80 something year old grandmother for nine years. And she lived with us for those nine years. So throughout the time I was in, um, like grade school and then, going into university and watching her kind of miss out on a lot of things that life had to offer was so eye-opening because of her health, because she never prioritized just moving, right? You guys can't, you can't see me through the video. Like I'm, I'm like moving around, but like a little shimmy. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like, it was, it was so sad, honestly, because like, oh, I love my grandma. Like she was such an amazing woman. We had a beautiful relationship. And like, there were so many times where like, she couldn't go to a dance recital because it was too far of a walk into like the building that had the auditorium or she couldn't like go to a birthday party because of the location, you know, she couldn't like do the stairs or whatever. So like, and I know for a lot of elderly people, like that's very, common but I think generationally like we're becoming more aware that just like movement and health in general like the purpose of it is for longevity right like the reason I work out like yes okay there's all these awesome benefits of like growing muscles and feeling great in my body now but at the end of the day when I'm like 85 years old 90 years old I want to be fucking shit up at my great-grandkids birthday party <laughs> like living my best life and being able to just like walk around and enjoy and like live those memories. Right. So that's where I kind of like found this beautiful place I'm at now with fitness. Right. And like, even with food is like just enjoying it and, and being conscious about it in a way that allows me to live now and be conscious about my future, but not in a way that like restricts me now. Right. That's what I was just thinking about that. You were saying that I think sometimes you will get too focused on health and too focused on long-term health. And like there's one little thing that I eat now. What is, oh, there's like some awful headlines that you see about one hot dog will cut your life by 30 minutes or something. And it's like, I don't, I didn't even look at the study and how they actually worked that out. Um, But like, how do you think people find that balance between like you say, actually we do want to live our life now. And, you know, have a nice time and not get too obsessed about how healthy you want to go and eat out with your friends and stuff, but also balance that with actually, yeah, we do know it is good to do movement. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Well, okay. So there's kind of two parts to this question. I feel like I'm going to break it into two parts. Mm-hmm. So number one, if you are totally like you're not into fitness right now and you're like on the outside looking at, or maybe you're like dabble in it 
but it's not like movement. I'm going to say rather than fitness is not like an everyday part of your lifestyle, because what that looks like for each person, depending on your age, your ability, your interests is so different, right? So let's say it is weightlifting. I like to tell people or guide them, I should say, like start with one thing. Don't overload yourself. Like where I see so many people burn out, crash and get obsessive is when they go, oh my gosh, I need to track all the the macros, the calories, all this that I'm eating. I need to eat clean and I need to be on this like five, six day a week workout regimen. And then they just go crazy and like they restrict themselves. They don't allow themselves to eat foods that they generally enjoy, like cravings or sweets or salty, crunchy stuff. Oh my God. (laughs) Right. And then it's like, you've, you've like completely like shocked your system and your mental state. And it's, I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure. So like, I like to tell people just start incorporating movement, keep whatever you're eating. If, If it's working for you and you're like alive and functioning and healthy, right. Keep that the same. Like, don't mess with that for a good six months. Of, and just get in a, in a, in that habit of like going on a daily walk for 30 minutes or, you know, going to the gym or attending a Pilates class or a Zumba or whatever it is that like feels good to you. Because I think like the other thing is people, people get, we get this idea from society that like movement has to be torturous. Like, oh, I mean, how many, like even the gyms know it, even the gym ads are like, I mean, thankfully it's shifting a little bit, but like, you know, oh, I just cracked my neck. Sorry. <laughs> they're like, they're like, you know, um, a, a fitness membership that will actually stick. Like, excuse me. That is so like projecting failure onto people that it has to be this struggle. Right. So like find something you like doing, incorporate that first and don't put that into like what I guess. And even if like, there's going to be days when like, maybe you've had a rough day, like here's a perfect example. And I am like years into my fitness journey. And like, I consistently lift weights five days a week. Yesterday, my mom was having a serious surgery and I was really emotional. I was anxious. And I was like, you know what? I'm just not feeling the gym. And I took my dog for a walk and that was my movement, you know? So start with that. The second part of this, I feel like, and let's rewind back. Can you remind me the original question? Cause I'm like off my little rabbit hole now. I don't even know either. <laughs> I was just thinking about applying to what you said, which I think are really great points about finding something yeah. that you enjoy. And when you were saying about the torturous bit, I was thinking more in terms of like, there's so many things I had on my Pinterest board when I had such a bad relationship with food and exercise, like sweat is fat crying, like don't stop until, I don't know, it burns or you've earned it. And it's almost this like, it's not worth it in inverted commas if you're not like sweating buckets or feel like you're going to die and be sick. That's so awful. It's definitely worth it to go for a walk. There are so many benefits. Or even if you're like, right, I've got 10 minutes to do something, then that is so worth it. Yeah, a hundred percent. Oh my gosh. And what you said just sparked me back to that second part. So continue. (laughs) Yeah. How do you not burn out? Right. Or how do you find a way to like live it, have that balance of not being obsessive of the now or the future, but just like, you know, existing and having it like function for you. To me, the second part of that is like tap into your why. What is your why? I told you guys my why. Does anyone remember it? (laughs) I want to be fucking shit up at my great grandkids birthday party. I want to be able like how many of you guys I'm sure 
have like seen like the most gorgeous, radiant elderly person just dancing and getting down. And you're like, how are they moving like that? Like, oh my God, how do they have Megan the Stallion knees right now? But like they do. Right. And it's like, that is my why. And I want to just have the memories and the beauty of like my future family. Right. So like, that's my why, but not, that doesn't have to be your why. And that isn't going to be everybody's why, but like whatever it is, your why has to be deep enough to compel you not only to number one, take action on the days you don't feel like it, but number two, to like bring you back and remind yourself like on the days that you don't, or the days that you are maybe a little bit off that like, it's okay. You Mm -hmm. know? Yeah, I think you gave such a nice example earlier as well that you said when your mum was in hospital, you thought, right, today is not the day for me to be going to the gym. And that finding that balance of actually what is self-care and what is good for me, balancing the now and the future. Um, I think it's really easy, especially when people um, have an eating disorder or have had an eating disorder to get into that all or nothing thinking, I've got to go to the gym every day, otherwise I'm going to have no days. And it's just actually... You're going to be so much better off in the long term when you do find that middle ground. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, especially if you have struggled with a diagnosed eating disorder at some point in your life, like that all or nothing mentality is huge. And I honestly think the all or nothing mentality is kind of like perpetuated if we want to get deep by the patriarchy into our society. Like that is also what, you know, really is kind of the basis of eating disorders if you think about it right because like ugh, it's like well I have to be this way or not at all and then it just turns into this like vicious cycle and like we've all been there one way or another whether it's through a literal eating disorder or like beating yourself up because you didn't make it to the gym that day whatever it might be but realizing like you know what we the small insignificant actions and choices that we make in our daily lives are what add up. So it's not just like a week, it's not just this one day, right? Like it very much compiles. And so you realize like if you're making intentional and conscious choices more days than not, you're winning, you know? And we're human, like we're, it's designed to be 50, 50. Like we're go, you're, it's not, if you have off days, it's when you have off days. I like mm-hmm. to keep it real, especially with my clients on that stuff too, because like so many people are like, okay, well, if I don't make it or if I fail or if this, I'm like, no, 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 no. You're going to fail. You're going to have days where you don't show up. You're going to have days where you eat the stuff you don't intend to eat or where you're just not in like being conscious at all. And that's okay. Like that's part of it, you know? Yeah, most definitely. I talk about that all the time. There's no failure, only feedback. How can we reframe it from being a failure? Often we set such high standards for ourselves as well, don't we? That we could, well, either we could meet, but it would take so much from us that again, we wouldn't be happy in the now or we just can't meet. And then we end up feeling bad about ourselves. Um, just super quickly for me to backtrack a minute as well, because I was thinking actually some people listening to this might um, have exercise addiction. So for them, actually cutting down now is actually probably going to help them be that grandma or granddad or person dancing at the party because you haven't damaged all your joints right now that they're still going to be flexible later. So just take the the meaning of our conversation, <laughs> everyone, and apply it. Um, to your situation um 
So I know you talk as well a lot about um, confidence and I saw that you did a workshop which was called like letting go of the outside noise and looking onto yourself which um, I did watch some of it but obviously people listening um, have not seen that workshop although actually they can catch it can't they because it was in a free Facebook group. Yeah, they can totally um, join the related Facebook group. Maybe we can put it in the show notes or something. Yes, I will put it in the show notes. Definitely. Um, But can you give us an overview? What do you mean by like letting go of outside noise to help with confidence? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love that. And, And just to, again, reiterate what you're saying, you are the master of your own life. Take what I say, take what we say and like apply it how you will, you know, like anything we say does not have to be taken literally in this context. Like, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm sure all of your listeners are just absolutely brilliant and amazing. And they are able to, you know, you have that like meta ability, but just always know, like it's, it's whatever applies to you and how you like resonate with it. But, um, as far as locking out, shutting down outside noise and locking it on yourself, um, as women, we're constantly, like, literally from the day we're born, socialized in this way that it just, it's like everything you do is for the other people, for the outside noise. And and that's also very human, right? I don't want to discount that. Like, our actual, like, biology is programmed to for survival back in the caveman days, which I know you like to reference to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to have approval from the group. So, That being said, there comes a point when you realize like, and I actually going back to high school days, this is when I really learned this, like you you can wear a turtleneck to school. You can wear spaghetti straps. You can post a picture of yourself on the internet naked if you want to get crazy, but like people are always going to have something to say. It literally does not matter. That kind of is what I learned through like the whole makeup thing was like, if I wore makeup and I was happy because I loved it and it was art, like people would be, you know, saying, why are you wearing too much makeup? And if you're not wearing any makeup, people are going to say, oh my gosh, you look sick. Are you okay? Or you look really tired today. It's like, I know, I know you guys out there have heard that before. It's like, are you kidding me? So when we get into that, like confidence is like really honing in on the opinions of people that you value. And what I teach my clients is like, the number one person you need to value is you. Like you are your own bestie for sure. And so picking and being selective about the people's opinions that we care about is really what enables us to have the volume be at a frequency, right? That like feels good to you and helps you like focus on what's important. Because if you're so focused on what other people are going to say or what other people are going to think, like you're never going to live your life in a way that's authentic to you. How are you going to do that? Right. So that's kind of where confidence starts, I think, is being able to focus on the people that matter. Number one is you. I, I always say like it should be like a very small handful, if that, you know, of others, whether it's like a very close family member, maybe a parent, maybe a spouse, a partner, a best friend, whatever that actually knows you. Those are the people that you also get to care about their opinions. And even then, it's like, you know, you have to have developed a very, intimate relationship with that person to fully trust like what they're saying. And, and even the people like for me as an entrepreneur, like the people that are super close to me, sometimes they're still gonna kind of have opinions that like, 
don't necessarily line up with like my goals. And I think like what's so important is just realizing like when to listen to those types mm-hmm. of things. Too. Yeah, I think that you say everyone has got an opinion and you can't please everyone because everyone's opinions can be so conflicting. And I think once you, like you say, can tune into actually what's important to me. And sometimes as well, I just think about um, really silly examples like hair colour. Like, so I've dyed my hair blonde. I, my grandma's always like, oh, but you look nice with dark hair. And actually my mother-in-law was also like, oh, you look better with dark hair, but I don't care. I like dyeing my hair blonde. Um, and then my, I wanted to dye it pink, but I was a bit worried it would go wrong. And my husband was like, oh, don't, don't do it. And then I thought, actually, it's not that important to me to have it pink. I did try a tiny bit, but it didn't really work. And then it went a bit orange. And I was like, I'm going to give up now. But it's almost like applying that to different situations actually how much does that thing matter to you you know if it really matters to you it's worth you staying the course with that thing and not being influenced by everyone's opinion unless it's like being really restrictive and underweight and dangerously unhealthy um but on in terms of other stuff actually knowing where's your boundary when you are and aren't going to listen to everyone else which takes practice I think oh yeah absolutely and as always, anything that we're talking about is with ecology in mind, right? Like it has to be safe for you, your community, the planet, like all of the things. But when we really get into like the situations and what matters, I mean, so many people come to me and they're just like, how are you confident? Like in general, you know, not even applying, maybe it's like dating or your career or your sex life or I don't know, whatever else, you know, your hair color, your appearance, like whatever it is in the world. And like, I think it's just really for so long as women too, we're pushed to like consider outside opinions. That's like, sometimes we almost lose touch with ourselves and like what our opinion is like, what do you like? What do you want? That's what I really coach my clients on too. Right. Is like, especially with dating, like dating for you, it's not about, Oh, am I good enough for this other person? No, it's like, do you like this other person? Are they, is, are they checking your non-negotiable list off? Right. Um, and I think that can apply in so many areas of our life, especially like eating fitness, you know, overall lifestyle. I, this actually brings me to a time I was at a retreat recently, um, actually for my first coaching certification with Amanda And, you know, there was this beautiful like spread of, oh my God, like the most gorgeous fruits and, you know, like pastries, anything you could think of. And like, I had had, I think like a croissant and like some fruit. And then I had a beignet. And I remember one of the girls next to me, she's like, oh my God, I can't tell you how refreshing it is to like, see you eat that. And I was like, (laughs) I was, I was taken aback. Right. Because number one, I live by myself. Okay. So like any, I don't ever have any input on like what I'm putting in my body. And also like my boyfriend, he's so supportive and positive and like also he, he plays sports and he just like eats whatever the fuck he wants because you know, why not? So anyway, her saying that it just kind of reminded me, like, if you want something when I like bringing this back to the conversation of just eating normally, right? Like it's all about moderation. I'm not going to sit here and eat croissants every day for the rest of my life because I would get very bored of them 
but like honor that, you know, if you're in a beautiful place, like, and, and you deserve to like put yourself first and not getting your head about it either. Like, I didn't think twice about it until she like made that comment, you know? And she's like, I just see you post like all your fitness stuff. And I just, it's so nice to see someone like just eating. She literally said just eating normally. (laughs) So that kind of like brings it back to, you know, the whole confidence thing too, is just like, owning yourself and owning your story, being confident in your why, right. And, and having that loving relationship with yourself to be able to honor those like moments, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I like the point of that you were saying, like, actually, I agree it's about moderation, but not more. It's so like nuanced. It's not moderation in terms of like, here's my new rule. I must be moderate. It's more like, like you say, actually, if you're enjoying it, probably don't want to eat that many croissants I mean probably like okay I'm done done now I've had a few right they were so good but I swear if I ate that every day I would just get bored of it you know I'd want something else and so it's just like I don't know just who cares (laughs) yeah I get bored of stuff really easily I like I've eaten Weetabix for like two months now because I love them oh do you know what Weetabix is I was doing something the other day and someone was like I don't know what that is I was trying to use it as an example yeah, I do actually. Cause my dad loves, um, there's like a pie you can make with it. And he like, oh, loves it, I, guess. Yeah, I don't know if that's like an American thing or not, but I'm going to Google it afterwards. I don't know. You can make a pie with it. Um, but I was going to say, I feel like it's coming to the end of its kind of lifespan. Now. I'm going to need to switch to a new cereal soon. <laughs> can you get bored of them? <laughs> totally. I think I go through like cycles and stuff of like, you know, what you enjoy, but again, <laughs> it all comes back to like, nothing has to be so strict or so serious to the point that you're just like not enjoying your life. Like there's, there are ways to just exist and I think be intentional and conscious, but at the same time, like not have it be something that you have to be intentional and conscious about. It's almost like you can get to this place where it's this very like regular existence, you know, this regular relationship or what you want, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. yeah for sure I, I hope <laughs> that's what we're putting across in other episodes little different tools and techniques on how to get there but it's really nice as well just to have you affirming like yes this is possible because I think that's when people message me about the podcast they're like thank you so much I really enjoyed the conversation and just giving hope to people that actually can change your relationship with food and as you mentioned at the beginning as well like you had a phase of depression I'm feeling suicidal, but it sounds like you feel totally different about life from when that was going on. Yeah, absolutely. Like a total 180. I mean, and I think like, you know, mental health is obviously huge in connection with eating and it's always going to be something. It's never constant. It's never this one thing. Right. But definitely just like there's literal science that proves moving your body releases those feel good chemicals Mm -hmm. in your brain. So like that's step number one to what really, really, really helped me get out of that like depressive state. And then step number two is like realizing, oh, wow, like I'm so capable and I feel good and I'm getting stronger. And it's like, you know, I'm like she Hulk over here. No, I'm just kidding. But like, it felt really good, you know, to have something that's like enjoyable and you see like progress, but number one, you feel it because that's another thing I have women ask me all the time is like, how long until I start seeing results? 
And I'm like, if you're asking me that question, you're going to be really disappointed on your whole fitness journey because the results, it's not about what you see. It's about what you feel. And you start feeling the difference on day one, (laughs) whether you go home and it's, you wake up super sore or whatever, but like you feel that feeling of like accomplishment. Like I did something for myself. And I think it goes back to building that self-love and confidence is like carving out 30 minutes, carving out an hour of your day to do something for you. That's everything. That's everything, you know? Yeah, I think even that is a big step for people, especially if they've got children or they've got a lot of other commitments. Actually, you taking that time for yourself. What are you teaching your brain? You're actually teaching, look, I'm important. This time really matters. And I don't know, whenever I work with people and they have done that, it's just had such a positive knock on impact on other things on their life as well that they're so pleased they took that time. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, it affects every single part of your life. Like it literally affects the way you look at yourself in the mirror. It affects your fucking amazing sex life. If you want one of those, or if not, like it affects the way you, you interact with others. And most importantly, like I said, the way you feel every single day, you know, whether or not you're seeing those results or not, because I have news for you. Like if you're so concerned about the results, I'll tell you, I'm four years in like to my weightlifting journey very seriously. And like, as somebody who is constantly growing, you're always going to be striving for more. And that's the beauty of it, right? Like I'm not at my goals. Like that's the point of goals. I think your goals are supposed to grow and evolve with you. So Mm -hmm. like, I think if you're, if you're constantly thinking, oh, well, once I get to this place, then I'll be happy. That's where we get in trouble. Right. So like when we attach an emotion to a literal physical result mm-hmm. that's dangerous because what the reality is is like your brain is so powerful you literally have the capability to produce that emotion right now because our thoughts create our feelings which drive our actions which give us our results the only thing you can't control in the world is a circumstance right so when you start to attach like actual emotions or states of being to those results, that's when you get disappointed and get burnout again, when it's like not sustainable because you're, you're like constantly putting yourself on hold. You're saying, don't feel happy until you achieve this, or don't feel confident until you achieve this. Fuck no. We're going to work on feeling confident today. Like we're going to work on feeling good today. We're going to work on feeling empowered today and we're going to own our day, you know, and the rest gets to kind of come, which is really cool. Uh, I think what you're saying is like, do you know when people have that penny drop moment of like actually enjoying the process? It's not about the result. And I think with intuitive eating and things like that as well, it's about enjoying the process or mindful eating. It's not about the end destination. Like, yeah, it's nice when you get there, you can celebrate when you get there and then maybe move your goal if that feels good to you. But if you've hated every second of getting there, it's not very nice. <laughs> the goal doesn't usually feel as special either. You probably feel like relief, but it's not everything you thought it was going to be. Right. A hundred percent. And like, that's the beauty of the process. And that to me is like, I mean, as human beings, again, we really thrive off of routines. And so I know for a fact, like, you know, five days out of the week, I'm going to take at least 30 minutes to an hour to myself to work on moving my body. Like, that's what feels good to me. And so, like, when you incorporate that in the daily on, in a way that feels good, I don't care if you're hula hooping. I don't care if you're doing yoga. I don't care if you're rolling around on the floor for 30 minutes. 
<laughs> like whatever you're doing, if it feels good to you and it like brings your soul joy, like that's what you need to do. And it is about the process. It is about the everyday, like that is the reward. And that's what I can't stress enough to people. And especially like listeners, like you were saying, who are like, is this really possible for me? Like, yes, it is. It is possible for every single one of you listening. You are born worthy and able to do this. And I think, again, I heard, I heard another one of your episodes. I can't remember the guest's name, forgive me, but like you guys were talking about the fact that it's almost like we're, we're born to eat intuitively. Right. And then we kind of are like un, we're, we're, we're taught like the opposite way. Right. So it's like, just know that whatever your ideal relationship is, or getting to a place where you don't necessarily, it's not what, what overtakes you, or most of your time that's available to you. And I think, you know, I was actually just reading, um, gosh, what is her name? Jamie, I think it's Jamie Kern Lima. I can't think of her last name, but I know her first name is Jamie. She's the founder of it cosmetics and she has a book called, I think just believe it. And it's like going from, uh, like something to unstoppable. And she was talking about, she was at like this Grammy Oscars, something or another A-list party she ran into this really powerful woman and she asked her like, you know, so many people uh, as women and entrepreneurs and in business, something that I find that we all have in common is at one point in time, we're worried about our appearance or our body. And she's like, you know, I'm wondering, like, do you struggle with that? Like, have you ever, or do you now? And the woman, her answer was no. And Jamie was a little taken back, like, oh my gosh, did I just ask this really important person, right? <laughs> like this question. And now she thinks I'm this total dumbass. like what's going on. And then the woman explained to herself, she said, you know, something just had to give. Like I had so much going on in my life. She said she was a mom of four. I think she had all these businesses. Like she's this big CEO. She's like, something had to give. And I think when we tap into our why and like our greater purpose in life, we realize like, oh, this is the contribution I want to be giving. I want to be taking care of kids or I want to be teaching children or I want to be inspiring people with this podcast or I want to be a life coach or, you know, I want to be whatever you want to do in your life. When you start to realize like that deserves more of your heart than you tearing yourself down or you hyper-focusing on X, Y, Z of eating body, blank, 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 whatever it is. Like you realize, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I don't have the energy to give to that. I think that's when you get to that point. And it's like, that's when I like, again, back to just picking one thing, which is moving your body. Like that gets to be your you time and the rest, like, fuck it. And don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm this perfect person. And I never look in the mirror and wonder like, oh, what if I had this different or that different or whatever? Like, I think that's, it's, it takes a very long time to unlearn those habits. Right. But when we get to this point where we get to really prioritize what's important to us, you realize like something does have to give because you don't have infinite energy to give in this world. And I sure as hell am not going to give my energy to tearing myself down, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my like philosophy on it, I guess, as far as like, is it possible for people? It's like, yes. And it gets to be this like really freeing, beautiful place for you, you know? Yeah. I, I have a struggle with eating quite so purpose. You're saying why? 
because I think it's really important but I think people have loads of stories around like oh what is purpose it must be like oh me donating those to charity it can actually be whatever you want it to be and I think it can change throughout your life but I see with my clients and I know with myself once I really decided for me and when I was doing my PhD I decided I want to work with people to recover from eating disorders and I thought right I do it myself now I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast then I I'm not going to say it was easy, but it was easier for me to then implement the behaviors and change the thoughts that I needed to change because I had such a good reason for doing it. And I see with my clients as well when they find their why and their reason, they just have so much more passion um, to go towards recovery or maybe that old thought pops up, but you can like pull the ass on it a lot easier because you know that is not the path that you want to go down anymore. You know the path that is going to take you to being your... 90 year old grandma dancing or whatever your words I think that's such a lovely example though because I think people do try and often think too big picture and that's just a really nice specific um thing or travel or I don't know whatever you're yeah it's like a moment right like and and I'll just bring you into the reality of that moment when I saw I was in Miami Florida which is one of my favorite cities in the world it's just like a party and a half it's so much fun and it's such a vibe and the food is amazing. Like if you haven't been, you have to go when we can, when we can travel, but oh my God. And I remember like there was this woman, she was going around, she was like selling flowers. And I'm telling you, she had to have been like 85 at least, like if not 90. And all of a sudden like this live music starts playing and she just starts shimmying and dancing and getting low and smiling and clapping. And like everyone around was just so a part of it. And I'm like, that is the type of person I, I'm going to be. Not that I want to. You know what I mean? It's like she is literally enjoying her life. And it, that is like such a contrast to, sadly, you know, the story of like my grandma and watching her age and like being mobile in one chair and sleeping in a chair because she couldn't lay down in a bed because her back, it hurt her back. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think, like you said, that beautiful image, that lovely image of like, specificity rather than just being oh I want to age gracefully it's like okay who the fuck cares like we all do but like when you think about those moments that you really care about and matter to you like that's I think that's where it gets like really magical what I would also say with that story is I think it comes back to what we have been saying about confidence and valuing yourself as well because how many people even if they could have could move like that would be like oh I'm too embarrassed I can't just start dancing right now I probably would be that person but do you know right. she obviously has that confidence oh yeah 100 percent. and like confidence it's it's a funny thing right because it's a feeling but it's also a way of being and like again I'll, I'll go back to the model of like our thoughts create our feelings which drive our actions which give us our results so like in the example of this woman dancing like she's feeling herself she's feeling confident she's enjoying the moment her thought creating that feeling is likely something along the lines of like what a beautiful night, or this is so much fun, or, you know, I, I love, you know, my body or so, or just like, I love my life if we want to get real. And like, from there, it's like, you get to move from that heart space. And when we come back to now, right. Like come back to the present day. I think so many people, like I said, they tie that feeling of confidence to a result. I'll feel confident when I have a quote unquote normal relationship with food or I'll feel confident when I have this type of body or I'll feel confident when I have this job or I'll feel confident when I make this much money a month. And 
again, like the dangers of tying of the feeling of confidence to a result is like, you're always going to be chasing something. So when we, when we really get into the juiciness of our, of our minds, we get to start thinking like, okay, well, what is the feeling that I'm feeling now? Right. Like, and I, I think it's like understanding your brain. And again, this is where obviously, you know, the power of coaching too, is like having someone seeing your brain from the outside is like, the thoughts are so innocent. Like it's such an innocent and it's a seemingly feel good thought. Like, oh, I'm working on my fitness journey or I'm getting better at lifting. I'm trying to go to the gym. Yeah. A hundred percent. And those are so sneaky, but then it's like, okay, when you say that you feel a general lack of confidence, (laughs) you feel this, like almost like inferiority or like not good enough. And then that is going to, you know, drive your actions and like be this kind of state that follows you around. So it's so important to start tapping into that worthiness, that wholeness, and like all that you are now, because all of that exists. Like the person that you think you're going to be when you achieve blank result is exactly who you are now. Like all of the qualities, everything that you think you'll feel or have or be like, you have it now inside you, you know, which is actually like mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes when it's like, feels unbelievable to be like saying it was like I am confident and so like people are like okay I'm working on being more confident which sounds like a nice um segue I think to myself now I'm not sure um how what you think about this I've only started thinking recently like I am capable of because it makes me feel better and it doesn't like I don't have to believe that I am doing it right now which doesn't feel true but I know I'm capable of doing it which means I can do it And so I don't know, what do you think about that? A hundred percent. Yeah. So like getting into building um, bridge beliefs, right. (laughs) Or bridge thoughts, like if going from, you know, the current thought of I'm working on loving my body or whatever, or like, I don't love my body yet to, I love my body is like a big jump for you. You know, I have a body I'm capable of loving my body like you said, those are really great and powerful ways to kind of get into that space. And again, like, I can't stress this enough. Like sometimes, you know, the saying fake it till you make it. Sometimes you just have to act your way into feeling because here's the thing. Our brains are really sneaky, right? Like (laughs) they're trying to protect us. Okay. Trying to keep us alive essentially, because back in the caveman days, like inside cave, safe, outside cave, death, destruction, ultimate disaster. Okay. So when we get into thinking about, gosh, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase this. When we get into thinking about like, you know, okay, let's go back to like the fitness journey, for example. And maybe it's not quite part of your identity yet. And it's nerve wracking going into the gym. So many women I know are like intimidated by it's such a male dominated space still like all that stuff. Your brain is going to look for evidence to prove whatever original thought you have. And so remember the model I was saying, thoughts create feelings, which drive actions, which give us our results. Your results are always evidence of the original thought, right? So let's take this out of like fitness and stuff. Let's just say like, okay, this is like a very personal, but like hilariously perfect example. I was, my boyfriend had to go live in a different state for work over the summer. 
So we were long distance and it was very difficult naturally. Um, I was looking at it in a way of like, this is going to be really hard. And that's a thought, right? So what is that type of like feeling that you get from that? For me, it was sadness, you know, or like lack of connection. And then the action was maybe not like communicating as much with my boyfriend or not like sending the text or not like saying how I feel. The result is less communication with my boyfriend, which is evidence of this is going to be really hard. (laughs) Right. So like, it's the same thing with like eating or fitness or, or any sort of like lifestyle around that. If you're worried about going to the gym and you're like, my gosh, people are going to be staring at me. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, that's, I don't know what I'm doing. Let's go with that. Your action might be, you don't go in with a plan. You kind of like go from machine to machine. You kind of do this and that, whatever you leave, maybe not have done everything that you wanted to do. Well, your brain is going to find that and put it in a little file and be like, oh, look, this is evidence that you don't know what you're doing. You shouldn't go back to the gym. Right. And it creates this kind of like negative thought loop cycle. And this is applicable again, you guys, to so to whatever situation or problem you're facing in your life right now. Like our brains are always digging for evidence of whatever it thinks is going to keep us safe. So like if there's any sort of fear or hesitation, your brain is going to dig up these little imaginary files. I I like to think of mine. It has this like filing cabinet in the back and there's like (laughs) ladies like running around. But <laughs> does that make sense? Like, it makes just- sense. It's like a um, there's a movie about that. Isn't it? I feel like you watched you oh. Disney. You were telling me about the Crudes movie about because they have this whole thing, don't they? About um, don't I think it is don't go out the cave at night. And then this is like Inside Out, where they have the little emotions and the whole filing system. Yep. Maybe I've watched yes. too much Disney. <laughs> no, I love it. Those are such good examples. I was actually going to bring up Inside Out. I'm like, that's totally mm-hmm. it for sure. Yeah. The example that um, I kind of use for that as well is that your brain is basically, like you say, it's finding evidence for you of what you, the question that you've asked as well. So I know I definitely felt like this um, at one point that I just felt so broken. I was like, I cannot stop binge eating and making myself sick. I am so, what is wrong with me? I'm so broken. And so your brain shows you, oh, well, that is wrong with you. That's wrong with you. That's wrong with you. Whereas yeah. if you ask like, how can I recover from this? Then your brain starts to look for, for, for ways that you can recover rather than the opposite. And I think that's just such a small shift that can have such a big impact. Oh, absolutely. It's actually, it's such a big shift. Like it's small, but big, like you said. And like, first of all, and, and we have all been there, but I just want to emphasize nobody benefits from a personal beatdown. When we play the what is wrong with me game, you better believe your brain is going to come up with all these files, bitch. Like it is good. It is going to be like, uh, this, 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 this is like, Oh damn. Like, I didn't think that much was wrong with me. <laughs> you know what? Oh my gosh. Um, I don't think I've said this on the podcast before, but sometimes I say it to my one-to-one clients every so often, like maybe every three or four months, I just convinced myself that I've got a massive problem about something like once it was because I kept crying and stuff. I think I was just overly emotional and I was like, oh, I need grief counseling. I can't stop crying. I've obviously got all this unresolved grief, which I didn't. I just convinced myself 
that I had and I've noticed that it's my pattern now so if I get into it I'm like oh this is your pattern take a step back let's have a look what happened like try and apply the skills that I use with clients but it's just really funny and I think it's what you were saying about I can't remember how you phrased it but just essentially the premise we are all human beings you know we're, we're all working through stuff Mm-hmm. All the time, all the time. And never, you're never not going to be working through something. It's, it's, you ever heard the saying where they're like a new level, new devil. Mm-hmm. So true. And when it comes to this type of stuff, like, and let's just, so we've been talking about our brain finding evidence for the wrong, like you said, making a small shift to something positive. So like going back to, like I was saying, taking action, maybe you don't feel like it, but please just go for that 30 minute walk, or please just put on that 20 minute YouTube yoga or whatever it is. And like, you're going to slowly start to build up more evidence of what you can do, you know? And so even that mindset shift of like, what is possible for you, what you are capable of, all the things you have accomplished, like, as far as I'm concerned, you're sitting here living, breathing, listening to this podcast, like you're able, you know, you have so much goodness ahead of you. And like, being able to make that mindset shift from the small, like negative things just, and that's what the amazing part about NLP is, right? Like just as much as our brains can like come up with all this negative shit, it can also come up with a lot more positive stuff. And so making that distinctive shift, like you're saying is so impactful because the more you strengthen that muscle of creating file folders of positive evidence of reasons why you're capable of building resilience of believing in yourself, then like that confidence even becomes so much easier, you know? Yeah, definitely. I really like that about the file folders. I think occasionally I do use that analogy, but not really often. Um, I think it's just, just nice that you said to think, oh, in the wrong files and all those negative files, let me switch off over to my positive files. And I think it's just about catching yourself doing it, isn't it? If maybe you've had that old thought for so long that it does come back, but you can catch it and then start to actively work on trying to change it to what you know is going to be more helpful. So I always say this in the interest of time. It's like part of the last question now. Um, What would you say to someone who came to you and said, I just want to eat normally? That you can fucking do it. Let's fucking go. I mean, anything you want in this world is available to you. So if that's something that you want for yourself, you absolutely are worthy. You're absolutely able and you're absolutely deserving to create that reality for yourself. And it's possible and it doesn't have to be hard and it doesn't have to be this like heart wrenching experience for you. Um, I think reach out to other people, reach out to professionals get a coach, go to therapy, all of the things, whatever works for you. But just know, like, if it's something you want, yes, you can. And it, again, it doesn't have to be hard. It gets to be easy. Yay. Thank you so much. And where can people find you if they want to connect more? Absolutely. Let's connect. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at they call me underscore share S H E R. That's also my username for uh, TikTok. And I have a YouTube channel called My First and Last Name, Sheridan Leatherberry, which is a lot of letters. So I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes, Mm -hmm. just have to call my name. (laughs) But I'm very active on all of those platforms. So 
feel free to reach out, whatever we can chat, all that good stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was such a pleasure and I really enjoyed every moment of it. Thank you for listening to the Just Eat Normally podcast. I hope you found this enjoyable, interesting and insightful and informative. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to hear the next episode. And just remember that you can check out the show notes for contact details and extra resources.